This is Living Lean, the show that teaches you how to apply the science of nutrition and training to sustainably create your leanest, strongest body and build the most confident version of yourself. I'm your host, Jeremiah Bear. Let's get into the show. Yo, welcome back to the show. Happy New Year, assuming you are listening to this January 1st. It is Q&A time, as is our Friday tradition. Let's try that again. As is our Friday tradition, <laughs> let's go ahead and get right into the questions. Our first question we have, over Christmas, I went over calories for three days. Just decided to not track since I'm in a build. What do you think about pulling back calories by a few hundred for three days after to kind of balance out? And what would your advice be during a cut for this situation as well? All right, so this is this idea. um, With nutrition clients, we call this pushing and pulling calories. Basically, the idea here is in a fat loss scenario, your weekly overall calories make much more difference than your daily calories. So thus, like if you eat 2,000 calories every day for a week or you ate 1,800 calories six days of the week and then you eat 3,200 calories one day of the week, I think I did the math, right? Um, You still end up at 14,000 calories across the course of the week, and thus we'll get very, very similar results in a fat loss scenario. So when we're applying this specific to building, the thing to realize here is, and this is something I've talked about quite a bit, um, our order of priorities for nutrition is a little bit different when it comes to building versus when it comes to building muscle versus fat loss. So in a fat loss scenario, I would say depending on the client, it's perfectly fine. Like, hey, you went over three days, you went over calories on three days. And honestly, like in this scenario, we don't know exactly how many calories you went over, but like, hey, to tick all our boxes, we could maybe like drop calories by 200 to 400 the next three days, just to make sure that this doesn't put it in your progress because you also want to see the quickest possible progress. Now, regardless, I would never just we would talk through that with the client and like some individuals pushing depending on this the client's relationship with food for some individuals pushing and pulling like this isn't isn't a good idea whereas other people can handle it very well as far as like oh yeah i'm cool i have a good relationship with this um i'm just gonna drop calories low the next couple days and no harm done so that is absolutely something that could work it does like the fact of not tracking over three days does kind of make it a little bit more hard for us to know exactly where you would fall and typically this is something that we would plan like all right but usually in situations like this in a fat loss setting i'll lay out all right so we have a couple options here as far as the holidays go we can one either bump calories to maintenance over the next couple days um and like you'll have more flexibility it will slow your fat loss a bit, but I mean, if you're on point four days a week, you have three days of maintenance, that's still four days of forward progress. Um, we can not track at all. Or you can hit your macros to the T, and there's infinite, like many different variations within that. Where do you kind of feel like you fall within the spectrum? What, where are your values and priorities right now? So for some individuals, it's gonna be like, I wanna hit my macros to the T and make the quickest possible progress. I wanna make sure even on Christmas day, my nutrition is the most optimal. Okay, cool. On the flip side, some individuals like honestly like my biggest priority is 
I understand that I can track macros and be present, but I don't really want to be on my phone at all. Like, I think I'd rather just not track. I think that's that's most in line with my priorities, who I want to be. Okay, cool. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, so this is really something we talked through beforehand. Now for individuals that want more flexibility, but also want to make, continue to make the quickest possible progress. This is realistically probably something we would have planned beforehand. So like, hey, for the three to four days leading up to Christmas, let's drop calories by 200 to 400 per day. And then you'll have those calories to add into Christmas Eve and Christmas day, for example. Um, so typically that's something that we plan beforehand in a fat loss setting. Now, when it comes to building, realize that the number one goal with building is to keep our body in an anabolic state. It doesn't come down to, um, whereas again, like at the end of a week, we, if calories are equated for across a week of fat loss, we'll get very similar fat loss results. At the end of a week of building, calories equated, but if we have four days where we're at, or three, three to four days where we're in a deficit, three to four days when we're at in like a large surplus, we would get worse results than if we were in a decent, like a relatively small surplus across all seven days. That's because again, like those three to four days that we're in a building phase, it's not like, hey, the days that we eat more, we build more. And the days that we eat less, basically, again, like we're going to be in a more catabolic state um, when we're in a deficit, when we're eating less. So whereas like in our fat loss days, it's just like, okay, these days we ate a lot less, so we lost more fat. Whereas these days we might have been at maintenance, so we simply maintained, but we made up for that with the fact that we were in a large deficit the other days. Whereas the other way around, that's not how it works. It's not, hey, I ate way more these days, so I built more, and that makes up for these other three to four days of the week that I was in a large deficit, and thus I wasn't building. Basically, that's just three to four days where we're making a lot less than optimal progress. We're not fueling our recovery nearly as well. So in a building context, I would say just get back to your normal building prescription. I wouldn't try to balance it out because again, like across a week of building, calories equated aren't really what we want to look at what you do day to day your calorie intake your macro intake day to day is more important in a building phase for getting the outcomes you want out of the building phase which is to build as much muscle as possible much more so than they are in a fat loss setting so here i would just get back to it um again in a building phase it's okay if like hey if that was three days where you're slightly over your calories and you added just a bit of extra fat don't stress it too much. You can lose fat very quickly when you go into the fat loss phase, but you're going to sabotage your progress by if you spend too much time, like trying to make up for times that you went over. And then we get to the end of the building phase and it's like, well, fuck, I really just have made very little progress across this because I was constantly like dipping in and out of a deficit. Thus, I wasn't spending very much time in an anabolic state building muscle. Um, and yeah, I think that is all I have on that. Next up can you explain what you mean when you talk about metabolite phases or metabolite training? All right, so um, a metabolite style of training, in a nutshell, we could look at, uh, so basically we have these different um, supposed mechanisms of muscle growth. We have mechanical tension, muscle damage, and metabolic stress. Now, um, muscle damage is obviously usually experienced as soreness. It's likely or potentially just a byproduct of 
um, doing the right things to build muscle. The weird thing is we're not extremely clear on what exactly builds muscle outside of mechanical tension. So it is very interesting. Um, but um, it's thought because it's also seen that we can spill muscle without like excessive if any muscle soreness so it's potentially more so muscle soreness or um, muscle damage is just a byproduct of doing the right things rather than like we need to be sore to build muscle mechanical tension is of course just putting your muscle out under adequate tension to stimulate muscle growth and then metabolic stress is really what we're talking about when we're talking about a metabolic or a metabolite style of training or even a metabolite phase. So basically in simplest terms, when we are doing metabolite training, you're chasing a crazy pump. Um, and this leads to cell swelling and metabolite accumulation in a specific muscle group, um, lots of blood flow to set muscle group, all of which have been seen or linked to hypertrophy. Now, well, just chasing the pump in and of itself isn't necessarily, it definitely isn't um, the best idea for muscle growth. This can be something that we blend into an online client's training from time to time to stimulate even more muscle growth. But the thing to realize here, first and foremost, is mechanical tension is always the primary factor that we're training. So um, basically when we're training for a crazy pump <laughs> when we're training for like this for metabolite accumulation we're going to be doing a lot more supersets drop sets intensification techniques things like myo reps might even do like pre-exhaust supersets things like that whereas most of a smart training program compo composed to accumulate a lot of mechanical tension will have more straight sets straight sets and down sets or supersets for opposing muscle groups. But we need to measure progress, measure that you're getting stronger in specific RAR ranges, AKA reps and reserve, um, getting stronger with specific weights, adding weight or reps over time or performing a movement with more skill. There's lots of different ways you can measure overload. But the point of this is that training for that mechanical tension is smart we're never just training for the pump in fact even in a metabolite phase it's still the minority of our training now that said a metabolite phase basically a phase where we're introducing more things to chase a pump um is something that will phase in and out every three to four mesocycles for more advanced clients that are chasing aesthetic goals so some simple guidelines for a metabolite phase again first we're adding in these different intensification techniques. So um, supersets, myo reps, giant sets, drop sets. But again, these shouldn't be your entire training day. So you'll continue to progress your compound lifts with adequate rest between sets. I would have at least three to four compound movements per day that you are continuing or compound and auxiliary movements. Three to four is probably a bit much, especially if you're following like uh, push, pull, lower, push, pull, lower, split. So let's say at least two compound movements per day that you're progressing as either straight sets or straight sets and down sets. And then from there, we wanna make sure that you're also taking adequate rest periods between those sets, likely training them anywhere from seven to 15 reps. And again, we don't always want to train like this. This is very taxing and it's harder to measure progression week to week. So one metabolite phase, again, every three or four mesocycles is a good rule of thumb. 
Also, we need to realize that training like this, training to chase a pump, well, it is a very new stimulus for most people when we cycle in a metabolite phase. We also desensitize to it relatively quickly. So not making it much longer than four to six weeks is a good idea. Um, and then finally, after this, it would be smart to go to a lower volume style of training because both physically and mentally, you're pretty smoked after a metabolite phase. So these phases typically align with the times that your training volume is the highest when you coach with us. So you'll need to peer, you'll need periods of lower volume to fully recover and resensitize to hypertrophy, AKA aesthetic focused training. So basically to set up a metabolite focused training day, you'll choose one to two muscle groups per training day for metabolite techniques. After training the primary compound lifts you've been progressing across the last few mesocycles for said, that, for said movement. So for example, let's say we have a client that is following an upper lower push pull lower split, which I would say would be pretty common. So day one, they've been progressing um, a barbell bench press. Cool. Okay. We've maybe have two straight sets, two down sets for that. We wouldn't want to hit that before we hit any type of metabolite work. Maybe they've also been progressing a chest focused dip. Okay, we're gonna progress that as well. Straight sets, down sets, adequate rest between sets, probably two to three minutes is a good rule of thumb here. Now from there, let's say that your chest muscles are the muscles that we wanna focus on with your metabolite work. So then we might go into some type of pre-exhaust focused, um, or pre-exhaust chest work. So something like a cable chest fly, supersetted with a def cable chest fly for 15 to 20 reps, supersetted with a deficit push-up to one RIR, you'd likely end up around somewhere from five to 15 reps across sets. But there again, we're getting our compound work in first. Or let's take this to a lower body day. Um, and let's say, let's say this is your glute ham dominant day. So we've progressed, um, let's say you were progressing an RDL across the course of the mesocycle. Okay, cool. We're gonna hit that first. And then we might go into something like glute focused Meyer reps. So here we're gonna do a hip thrust for 10 to 15 reps. You'll rest for about five breaths bust out three to five more reps to one RIR, repeat this for three to five more breaths, three to five more reps, three to five more breaths, three to four to five more reps, for probably three mini sets of three to five reps. Um, and then we'll basically move on from there. And over time, over the mesocycle, then we would move on to like quad focused work. But over the mesocycle, we would add more mini sets to progress this. And they're the cool thing about my reps like that, just because we have to nerd out over this a little bit. Um, this really ties into the theory of effective reps, which is basically this idea that reps, five reps shy of failure or less are the ones that are the most quote unquote effective. They're the ones that are really stimulating hypertrophy. So if we take this first set of 10 to 15 reps to one RIR, and then we rest three to five breaths, AKA three to five seconds, we've allowed fatigue to drop enough to usually bust out about five more reps, 
but not so much that the muscle fibers aren't still very fatigued. And basically, again, the theory why effective reps is thought to be the, the effective reps are thought to be effective is because the closer we get to failure, the more muscle fibers we recruit and fatigue. And it's only when we're five reps shy of failure or less that your muscle fibers are fatigued enough to um, actually stimulate new muscle growth. So when we're taking these short mini rest periods um, and then busting out three to five more reps, all the subsequent reps in these mini sets are thought to be effective reps. Whereas if you did a set of 10 to 15, rested for two minutes and did another set of 10 to 15, it's more likely that the first like 10-ish reps of that wouldn't be quote unquote effective. So you still get the same, the idea here is essentially we're getting the same number of effective reps from um, the all these mini sets. Basically we're getting the same out, a similar, a similar, somewhat similar outcome to what we would get from doing uh, like four to five sets of hip thrusts here. And it's just an insane glute pump or literally whatever muscle group you wanna apply this to is a crazy glute pump. Now, that said, there are definitely a couple limitations for my rep style work. It is a cool concept, but one still total time under mechanical tension would be less than if you did like four straight sets here. And again, it's not just because the thinking is that it's five reps or less from failure where we're really in that effective rep range. It's not at all like the preceding reps aren't beneficial. Um, and then as well, oftentimes like, so from this thought process, we can say, well, why don't I just do my reps on everything? But also we have to realize here that on many movements, cardiovascular fatigue becomes the limiting factor. So for example, if you're doing back squats, and you hit, you hit 10 to 15 reps to one rep shy of failure, you rest three to five seconds, you try to bust out three to five more, it's gonna very quickly become your cardiovascular system or your ability to maintain your form is gonna become the rate limiter, not your quads or whatever you were trying to focus on in said movement. So exercise selection here is super important. I would say typically, even like in this case, a hip thrust is probably the most quote unquote compound movement I would want to apply this to. So again, we can really apply this thinking for any muscle group. I will say for like metabolite style work, um, there are some muscle groups that aren't as, that just don't do as well with metabolite style work compared to others. So for example, your lats or hamstrings aren't really as well suited to metabolite style training. <clears throat> So in a nutshell, like to set up a metabolite phase, basically across the course of mesocycles we're layering, or, or training phases, we're layering on more and more volume. Typically about three to four mesocycles in, we've kind of hit the point where training volume is peaking. And this is when we'll introduce metabolite techniques as kind of a new stimulus before we go into lower volume training phase to kind of resensitize clients to training volume. So here, maybe day one, Again, let's use the example of a client that's following an upper, lower, push, pull, lower training split. Okay, maybe day one, we're introducing some chest focused metabolite work. Maybe day two is, let's say day two is more of a quad focused day. So lower body, quad focused. Okay, so here we could do something like a quad focused pre-exhaust superset. So maybe you're gonna do leg extensions or sissy squats for 15 to 20 reps 
followed by like some type of heel elevated cyclist squat for five to 15 reps. Okay, day three is going to be a pull day. So here, let's say we're going to focus on biceps, which is a muscle that would respond well, well to metabolite techniques like this. So there, um, we're gonna do a bicep mechanical drop set. So basically as the movement goes on, we're gonna be moving from weaker a weaker position to a stronger position continuously so we can keep repping out weights as we approach failure. So for example here, let's say we're starting doing a spider curl. Um, we're aiming for about eight to 12 reps. So a spider curl for those that don't know, you'd be lying face down on a 45 degree incline bench, elbows hanging out in front of you, of course, curling the weight up. Um, once we get about one rep shy of failure, we're gonna hop off the bench, flip around, and actually use the bench to do a preacher curl, which will be a slightly stronger position than the spider curl for your biceps. So whereas um, we were near failure, here we can likely rep out another six to 10 reps. And then finally, we're gonna go immediately into a standing curl, um, elbows by the side. Of course, we can allow them to drift forward a bit, but again, we're gonna be stronger than our previous position, so we should be able to rep out um, another six to 10 reps. So that could be an interesting, though, a fun technique, a brutal technique to use there. All right, moving on day four, some type of push day. Okay, since our first um, kind of push focus movement was, or metabolite work was chest focused, let's make this delt and or upper back focus. So let's say here we're aiming to hit 75 reps of a 3D band pull apart, which is a great movement for both your front delts, your side delts, and your rear delt slash upper back. We're gonna hit 75 reps of a 3D band pull apart in as few sets and as little rest as possible. And then our final day of the week is our lower body day. And this is going to be more glute hamstring dominant. And here we're gonna use that or that uh, mile rep hip thrust um, technique that we talked about before. And that's in a nutshell how we would set it up. And then again, after four to six weeks, of layering on volume here, just like we would in a normal mesocycle, we would move on to a lower volume phase to kind of resensitize your body to training volume. All right, guys, and that is all the questions that we have for today. Now, before I let you go, I wanted to remind you of our online coaching service. If you're sick of spinning your wheels, trying to create your best physique, and are ready to truly learn how to apply the science of nutrition and training to really build the body you've always wanted in 2021, click the link in the show notes to apply for online coaching with our team. And finally, if you're enjoying this show, do me a huge favor, take a screenshot of this right now, share it to Instagram and tag me at Jeremiah Bear. You're helping me grow the reach of this show. And honestly, I just wanna connect with you and thank you for listening. All right, team, as always, thank you for tuning in. That is all I have for you for today.